Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Everybody. Welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Today we're talking about practice uh, based on an article from USA Hockey, October 2021 edition, uh, five tips to making a better practice plan. So Christy and Mike jumped right into that today, giving us uh, questions and our, our professional opinions on things. And uh, it was really a great discussion. We hope you're going to enjoy the episode. But as it is the start of the episode, we got to let you know that it's brought to you by Team Clicks. That's T-E-A-M-C-L-I-X.com, teamclicks.com. Uh, check them out. They've got uh, every single sports team in sunglasses, right? And uh, blue blockers and prescription. Uh, so the arms look like your favorite sports teams. Uh, again, we want you to check them out on their website, T-E-A-M-C-L-I-X.com, teamclicks.com. It's going to be a really great holiday gift for the sport fan or sport athlete in your life. So check them out, teamclicks.com, teamclicks.com, teamclicks.com with an X. Without further ado, enjoy this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. That's Christy Casciano, Burns, and Mike Benelli, and I'm Lee Elias, and today we're talking about practice. Not a game, practice. For those of you from Philadelphia, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, we're talking about, in the October 2021 edition of USA Hockey Magazine, our very own Christy Casciano, Burns, pointed out there's a really great article in here uh, called Talking About Practice, and it's about five tips that coaches can take into practice. So she came to us and she said, Mike, Lee, I want to talk about this on the air today. I want to run it by you guys. I think it'll be a great episode. And we naturally said, Christy, this whole show is based off your book, My Kids Play Hockey. You write for USA Hockey. Am I plugging you enough? So let's do it. Right. Yeah. So, so we're going to walk um, through this today. <laughs> I'll show you where the article is. So after you're done reading my article in this month's copy of USA There's the plug, Hockey Magazine <laughs> about the golden rules of hockey, which we've talked about extensively, by the way, that was a great episode. If you didn't catch that one, just uh, flip over to the next page and you'll see it. This is really good. Um, it's talking about practice, which I love that definitely caught my eye. And there's five keys to victory if you want to tackle and succeed this season. First one is uh, creating building blocks for success. So that's what you need to do, do. And you guys know that as coaches early in the season is you have to build the foundation. Right. If you're going to go up the mountain and climb that high mountain and succeed, you need a base, you need a foundation. And the way that they say it, I bet you guys will agree to this, Set the tone early, letting both players and the parents, don't forget the parents, know what your expectations are for the season, both on and off the ice. 
let the players know it's their responsibility to improve every time they step on the ice. So that's great in theory. How do you do that, guys? It's <laughs> a great question. You know, first thing I want to say uh, is that I'm learning as a youth coach for the first time that having the parents on your side, uh, which, which the parents on our team are, is very important, right? Uh, and you're not always going to get all of them, but it does make your life a lot easier, number one. Um, number two, Mike, and I'm actually going to kind of pose this as a, as a follow-up question to you with this too, is it's, I'm amazed sometimes how often, this is not just in youth hockey, Christy. Uh, coaches come with a plan to practice. The players have no idea what the plan is. There's no explanation of the plan. There's just, here's the drills we're doing today, do them and we'll leave. Uh, I, what a missed opportunity. As a coach, uh, and again, some of this has to do with time, but I want my players to understand not just the drill, but the why behind the drill. I, I want that connection point of why we're working on something either really basic like skating or passing or shooting all the way up to advanced systems, right? I want them to know the why behind the drill so they can apply the creativity to the game, right? Um, and when you do that in terms of creating the building box of success, this just comes with coaches planning, which look, most coaches do plan a practice. I'm not, I'm not jumping on that, but when you break it down again, Mike, this is where the question comes in is you got to prioritize certain things ahead of other things. And I think that one of the things we talk about is, you know, you don't come in with this, this, uh, you know, vomit of all these things we have to work on keep it to one or two things early in the season build on those skills because those skills lead to other skills mike your thoughts on that as well yeah i think at the especially at the early youngest levels um as coaches we tend to you know want to you know outthink the game we want to we want to try to make this complex array of of practice plans and drills and schemes and movement and and really what what children need is they need structure and they need repetition and they need just like learning your ABCs and your one, two, threes. Right. You have to understand that at the age you're coaching, you have to cater those systems and drills and, and, and thought processes to make it easy. There's nothing more frustrating than coming with a plan and your kids can't implement the plan right. because you structured a plan that's not ready for their development. And, and to their, to Christy's point, um, you know, to, to the fact that they haven't built that foundation of skill yet. So I think just, you know, it's great. And again, and again, you know, having parents on board, that's a, it's almost like a must for any youth hockey coach. You know, I, I know even with me, I struggle with this all the time only because it's, it's, you're on the bench and the parents are in the stands. They, they, they have an easier way to talk than you do to them. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're like, Oh, well, you know, because everybody's like, well, you know what, so-and-so said, and so, so, so just communicating to them and educating them at the same time is important. Um, but I think knowing the role that you are at the age you're at and making sure that you're, you know, thinking about this fundamental skills. And then, you know, and one thing too is, you know, don't, don't deviate from a plan uh, after your first day, you know, you might have, to, you might have the same practice plan for three, three, four practices in a row. Right. You know, just make it so There's it's easy. Nothing to, wrong to, with that. To, yeah. Just yeah. make it so it's easy to succeed and then build on the success. But if, if I can jump on that too, Mike, I want to say that I think you just made a great point that sometimes coaches come in, well, we worked on that. Well, okay. Think about how people learn. Like you said, you didn't know the alphabet in a day after one class, right? So I think what it is, and again, you can, I'll use the younger levels as an example, but this goes all the way up, right? Let's just say I want to work on passing with the, the AU team. I, I figure it's going to take a month or two before it really clicks right now. I'm not saying the only thing we work on at practice is passing but I make sure that they understand we're working on passing for this reason. The head coach does a great job with this too. 
here's three or four drills we're going to implement over the next month for passing. And you know what, when it clicked, it clicked, we saw it click in, in a weekend ago, but it's so important to break things down of, if you want to get to Z, you have to start with a, you know, if you want to learn how to skate and take a shot, you need to know the mechanics of a shot. You need to know the mechanics of skating first. And as a coach, it's okay. Uh, and Mike, I find a lot of coaches have a problem with this. It's okay to rewind back a little bit, you know, two steps forwards, one step backwards is still moving forward right? To, to, to learn and break down a skill set. So um, I think the other thing real quick before we move to the second one, um, and this is a conversation I've had with people is, look, I'm a big fan of the ADM. I, I like ADM drills. Um, I think what USA Hockey has done to create a, really a library of drills that any coach can pick from is a real asset, but it can't be just going through the motions of picking three or four drills and going, I'm sorry, five or six drills and going out there. And one, one of the conversations I had recently was, look, would we rather do six drills okay or four drills really well right so i know the attitude is always keep them moving don't let them stop you know keep them moving and i agree with that to, to a point but i think it's worth taking the five minutes during the practice maybe a minute every few shifts or whatever to really just say hey come on in let me explain the why really quickly of why we're doing this right and it, it, by the way coaches if you have time before the practice to do this then you really can keep them moving the whole time to explain it. I used to do that with my teams was we'd have a 20 minute meeting where I'd go over every drill and why, but I'd rather do four drills. Well, really well than six drills. Just okay. And I don't think that's a mentality that's shared enough. Again, I'm going to throw it back to, to Mike one more time, Christy, before we move on. But cause, cause Mike, I want your thoughts on that. Cause, cause you are the top tiered coach here. Um, and I think a lot of coaches are told, you know, no, it's always moving, never stopping. Pick your six drills and move on. Right. Yeah, I I don't I don't really I'm not a big fan of that either. I think it's I think it's you know if as long as you have drills that are age appropriate and you right. can put the kids if you're working on a passing skill and you can get your kids off the ice demonstrating that passing skill and the mechanics of passing and then why you want to make those passes. I we had a drill even with my 14U team the other day. They, the kids thought it was a warm up drill. Ah, oh, this warm up drill it's so long and it was just a reiteration. You know, it started from you know. Uh, post up on the half wall to the, to the slot, slot to half wall across, slot to half wall across and back, slot to half wall across and back and back. It's all catch and shoot, catch and pass, catch and shoot, catch and pass, move your feet. All that kind of stuff was just building blocks. And then the night, night I'm watching, we're watching Harvard and Dartmouth and they're, they're playing right. And in a game and all of a sudden, you know, my son's watching the game with me and he's like, Hey, that's our drill. That's our warm up. That's the drill we're just doing. And it's the power play. Right. It's catching and shooting wall to top, low to high. Move your feet, turn your turn, your turn, your body, get your stick in an activated position. If you can explain that, you can explain it to an eight year old. Eight year olds can understand why am I passing this way? Why am I moving the puck to this area? If you can show them that off the ice where it's it's quiet, there's no distractions. The other coach isn't screaming at his kids on the other side of the rink. The mom and dad are, aren't aren't giving the, the signs you know, what the kids should be doing. It, it, it eliminates so much distraction. And then you can get to the business of actually teaching the skill. I mean, that's, you know, and I wish we wouldn't deviate from how we educate our kids in school to how we educate our kids on the ice. It's the same thing. Show them something, speak to them, show them, demonstrate, let them go. Regroup. Let's work on it again. And I, and, and we, and it might be weeks, might be weeks. 
So you can't work. I if you can't, if you can't be signs, what I should be doing signs when I've, I never had. Oh any. my God. I got, you are, me, when my parents listen signs? to this podcast, like, they'll be like, they'll be like, Oh, you're talking about me. Aren't you? Yeah. I got, I got kids sign languaging each other for their parents. Oh, what's, what's a popular one so I can learn it. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's kill the coach. I think it's kill the coach. Don't kill listen the to the coach. Don't listen to the coach. Oh man, I love I'll it. I'll do this one. Oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to say this real quick. All good. It's all good. I'm not going to bash the parents. No, today, no, I'm so going to say this. I'll say it for you, Mike, because because I can. <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. There's a great quote quote in the show Ted Lasso, where Ted says it's another quote, but he says, "Be curious, not judgmental." All right. So parents, okay, I'm a parent too. Everyone here is a parent. If you're curious about why a coach is doing something, that's fine. You can ask the coach. You can have that conversation. If you're judgmental. Time to volunteer to be a coach. All right. If you're going to judge everything a coach is doing, go coach. And if you don't yeah. have the time to coach, yeah. be more curious than judgmental. Okay. That's oh, why I just I, shut up. A bit. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> see, Christy, this is why I love having you on the show. Just shut up last week. Just move just on. <laughs> just love it. Love it. Let's keep going. Well, I'm in the first season of Ted Lasso. I'm just really enjoying it. So I can't wait for season two. It so is, I'm still it is going recommended it. viewing season one. Season two is yeah, a little, yeah. little bit of a different pace, but season one is 100% okay. uh, recommended viewing for everyone on this. Uh, Very relatable this. too, if you're yes. a hockey parent. You can really relate to a lot of what goes on well, there. I, I literally um, was a so coach in the UK. I feel like that's me, minus the mustache. Anyway, yeah. keep going. <laughs> So, all right. So that, that was a great discussion. Love that. Let's go on to tip number two. And this is one I'm a huge fan of. Um, so I'm, I'm really eager to hear you guys take on this one. Um, so here it is. Play them if you got them. So basic. So if they're good enough to make your team, they're good enough to play for your team. Uh, it's the coach's job to make sure that everybody's got improves right from the from the onset from the beginning of the year to the end so if it doesn't happen then you really need to reevaluate your role as a coach you're not doing something right if the kid's not improving could be attitude too i mean there's a little blend there but if the season you should mix and match your lines allow everybody an opportunity to be a part of the power play part of the penalty killing units as the season hits its full stride and then your number one power play and penalty killing units take shape it's even more important to find enough ice time for all your players yes let me hear what you guys think well mike i'll jump in first on this one but you have to jump in first on the next one that's my that's my deal i'm always taking the initiative i think this one's uh, age uh restrictive christy so i think in the younger levels and i'll say anything u12 down i completely agree with this because it's all developmental at that stage um and i think that you know, it's again, you look at the UA team, like if they've never played defense before, they never played goalie before. So it, it is about exposure. Um, I think once you get above that U12, um, the conversation shifts slightly. And all I mean by that is I do think everyone should play, but I think establishing roles is actually more important than just throwing anybody out there. Keeping in mind too, look, the, the article is called talking about practice. So I think if you can uh, make sure the kids are practicing this stuff, outside of games, yes, everyone should have the opportunity to try something just to learn. Um, when you get into a game in a competitive scenario, um, especially, you know, again, when you get 15, 16, 17, you want to start identifying the roles and the skill sets and the abilities that kids have and how they play into each other, right? So again, something the NHL does really well is understanding how fourth lines are supposed to work, right? And the understanding from those fourth line players exactly what their job is. Now, again, 
you go to a, a high school student, it's a little different, but I think it's important to have a role, make sure that they're getting experience in that role. And should they want to expand that role at practice, it's a wonderful place to do this. If a, if a kid comes up to me, if I'm a high school coach and says, look, I really want to try the power play. I really want to try the PK. Um, the head coach should have enough humility to say, you know what? I like that you're being uh, aggressive about this. I'm going to try you out, but you have to trust my judgment. And if you're not ready yet, we'll work on it. That's kind of where I see it going. So you know, there's always that age split. Again, you guys might disagree with me on that one. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about practice, right? So if, you, if you're good enough to make the team, you're good enough to make my team, you're going to play. Right. If, if, if you're not going to play, then, I don't, I, then I'm not picking you for the team. And it's even the frustrating piece about, you know, why we cut kids after six months. I mean, you really know a player after six months. If, that play, if you pick the player and six months later you're cutting them for another five players, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a horrible part of our game. But, you know, when you – but you have to get kids involved. And, and what, you know, I think the frustrating thing for me is when you see a youth hockey practice and they're working on the power play, it's the same five kids and the other kid there's, – there's another 12 sitting on the right. bench – waiting you've got to get those kids involved you have to have a plan then if, if you're going to have your five kids on the power play and that's who your kids are going to be then you have to have a plan to make sure those other kids are active they're not Absolutely. they're not waiting because the first thing you'll yell as a coach is you better pay attention you're never going to get the spot and the kids are like well, i'm never going to get the spot anyway you've never even played me in a game like why would i be motivated and this goes to the high school level too and i mean one of the you know one of my mentors and one of the idols that i love from usa hockey side uh, from hockey coaching is a guy, Lou Varro, right? And Lou, even when he's spoken to us in the past, it's always at the IIHF, Olympics, World Championships, Junior Championships. You are my team. You are going to play. If I, <clears throat> I make a concerted effort to get you off the bench and on the ice. Now, what role you're going to be in, that's up to you. You know, that's, that's, that's a conversation we're going to have. But you, if I'm picking you on the team, you're going to play. Same thing for goalies, right? You have your starting goal. I mean, right. the fact that you have a starting goalie and a backup goalie in youth hockey is absurd to me. It's it's an it's an absurdity to me. I mean, imagine you you have your starting goalie and then your your he gets hurt right before the playoffs, and then what are you going to go? You're going to go to your your backup that hasn't played all year and go, yeah. hey, we're we're with yeah. you. You know, with you got to no be trust. a teammate now. Right. And the kids like, who the hell are you? I don't even like you. Like, right. I, I'm that is such a great point. So, so it's such a horrible thing to see these kids, and I say, like, and then you don't know. Give them. You have to give them opportunities. Is it easy? It is not easy. It's not easy to organize your practices and make sure everybody gets in early and everybody gets a touch. But I love that idea of finding those roles. If you have your power play kids, then put out four kids out there that and give them give them a goal. Guys, you need to you need to kill every power play there is here. You're you're, you're never going to be on the power play, <laughs> but you've got to kill the power. You, you've got to be my best penalty killer. Find your role, and yet next thing you know, you find your you find your players that step up and get gritty and and get get to a place a place where you know they want to they want to get into that position and, and i think it, it, it it's good and healthy uh, for the whole team to understand that everyone's going to play and yeah. it's good and healthy for a coach to present that to the players that everyone has an equal opportunity for ice time here and yeah great i love it i, I want to reiterate real quick too that that having a role the role should not be sitting on the bench all right. And I, I didn't, I don't think I clearly said that. Like having a role does not have anything to do with ice time. Everyone should play, but when you get older, you should know that role. You know, here's a great one, coaches and, and parents, you know, this is something that's underestimated. You know, you talk about how to become a great scorer, right? Um, I'm always amazed when I have these conversations, Christy, because people, well, you got to practice, you got to do this. We, we have this tool. You know, how you become a great scorer, find a great goalie to shoot on. You know, how you become a great penalty killer practice within a great power play. You know how you become a great defenseman? Learn how to play offense, vice versa. How do you become a great offenseman? Learn how to play great defense. 
Sometimes the best teachers are right in front of you. And don't get me wrong. Tools of the trade are awesome. There's so many tools out there now, way more than when I was growing up to make you better at hockey. But the truth is this, it's competition. One of the teams I was working on, we had the best goalie in the league. Well, our scoring percentage went up and up and up. And I, 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 our goalie used to get mad at me. And I said, you got to understand, I'm going to have them challenge you more than anyone because you're the best goalie in the league. They're only going to get better shooting on you. Once that clicked, I'll say begrudgingly, but it clicked. Um, all of a sudden things got, he challenged everyone at practice, right? And he teased them if they didn't score. What do you think happened? So coaches, especially in youth hockey, right? You want to make great PKs, put them out there with your top power play, not just your best PK. Also, we're going to talk about this in a minute, Christy. Mike said it. What happens when someone gets injured, right? And you have no one to fill the role. You better be practicing. Go ahead, Christy. All right. So we've got, uh, we're going to move on to tip number three. And it's talking about practice, a right time for everything. This good one too. Early in the season may not be the right time to work on your five on three power play. Divide the season into four quarters. Listen, listen, be patient. Divide it into four quarters. A heavy diet of skill development, positional play early on, focusing on habits and concepts. Later on in the season, mix in a little more work on special teams, situational play, also be conscious of what's going on in the lives of your players. For example, if it's a heavy time for exams or schoolwork, lighten up the load and practice. What's wrong with that? Right. So, all right. So I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm a little, on, on, as far as the practice side goes, I think the power play penalty, I, I'm just, at the youth hockey level, honestly, maybe it's 14U even and, and, and lower. You should, you should be, you shouldn't really be spending more than what eight, eight percent on the power play penalty kill. And, and it all depends on how much time you have. Most of us have twice a week for an hour a week. I mean, that's, that's the majority of, right. of youth teams, right? Maybe, maybe you're lucky you have three days a week where you have like a skills night or something like that. So if you're working on the skills and giving the kids the opportunity to work on power play skills, penalty kill skills, which are passing, shooting, skating, back checking, four checking, stick position, body position doing all those things, but then to our first point, making sure that you're conveying that information to the kids that all of these skills that we're working on are going to help you with these other aspects of the game. I think that's important. Um, you know, and for most of us in the country, knowing that workload is really important. Knowing that, you know, I got, uh, you know, eight or nine kids playing soccer, a bunch of kids playing football, a bunch of kids doing other, you know, fall sports, and then allowing, allowing those seasons to end before the hockey season really gets underway and then understanding that at the end of the season we're asking our kids to perform at their best some of them are coming from lacrosse and baseball and you know double practices and triple practices so we really do have to know you know our market and our teams and our kids and it's all of us all coaches parents hockey organizers hockey directors schedulers you you have to understand these are children that even though you might only have two hockey games in a day they might also have you know, I, we played a team this past weekend that their team had, you know, nine of their kids played in a lacrosse tournament the day before that they probably had like five or six games in one day, you know, that's puts a toll on those kids' bodies. And, you know, you as a hockey coach and director need to understand those ebbs and flows of the season to make sure your kids are, you know, staying healthy and involved and passionate and, you know, engaged. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you on this, Mike. It's, <clears throat> you gotta be conscious of, what's their surroundings right <laughs> right like what's because we just on? think they're playing hockey with us like oh we, we, you know this you, my schedule is the most important piece of what's right. going on here right guys right and like right. no you're you're just like one piece of my yeah. 
my 48 hours this weekend. Well, you said it, Mike. It's your two hours of the week. <laughs> it might yeah. be, this might take up 20 hours of your week, but this is only two hours of my week. Um, right. So like, like again, you got to be conscious of, of your surroundings and what's going on and, and kind of where you fit in the puzzle. Um, and the other thing too is, is like I said, this goes back to number one, is you got to break down the goals to what you need, right? So uh, speaking about the power play again, like should you be in a position to even practice the power play? right? It's like, do they have the basic skills needed to accomplish a successful power play? Because like, honestly, if you can get your guys into an umbrella, it whatever, you 15, but they can't pass, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they can't shoot. It doesn't yeah, but it's matter. funny about that. So, so I, probably, I probably vacillated a little bit on this too, because sometimes by having that structure of a penalty kill and power, like I'll have a lot of penalty kills, not at the younger levels, because it's not that big a deal to me about giving up power play goals, you know, at eight you and 10 right, right. But it's a bigger deal at 18 you so when you don't have the skill right. when you can't teach the passing the structure then is maybe something you work on more maybe right. the, you know people are like oh my god your kids are like robots yeah but it's the only way we're going to win because we right. don't have the skill so you know, the, at the older levels we have to have structure I we have that. to have yeah you know yeah. pieces in play that you're more of a chessboard guy because you're really not developing anymore unless you're like in the ahl and you're going to the nhl or you're you're in junior hockey going to college but if you're a kid that's playing midget hockey or high school hockey and that's the end of your career i believe it's 18 you now mike we can't say midget anymore right if you're if you're playing if you're playing u18 <laughs> in some places in the i was just at a referee yeah. clinic this weekend and usa hockey i was bust i was i was i was having a little fun because all their all their paperwork had U8 and U10. And I'm like, I thought we were all part of the same organization. We yeah. got to get on the same page here. So Hello. bottom line is when you're, when you're 18 U hockey and it's the final probably, you know, piece of a player's career in, right. in the season you're in, then, then, then structure. Yes. It really does become important because it eliminates the need totally. to have skill. Well, and, and right? hopefully they'd have the skill sets, basic skill sets built up at that point. I, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, one quote I'm thinking of, and I don't mind turning to the NHL sometimes or professional hockey for answers, um, but you'll hear, remember Yammer Younger used to say, well, I don't have my, when I get to my mid-season legs, you know, or when I get, when I get to this point and this is activated, you know, at the NHL level, again, for, for established players, we're not talking guys coming up for the first time in the show, but they know their bodies. They know that, you know, the first quarter of the season is different than the last quarter of the seasons. They know they're going to be dealing with injuries. You know, they, they, they understand the patience that comes with playing an 82 game season. But when you apply this down to the youth level, like when you come in, Mike, you at the beginning of the year, like, like it's just time to get going again. They might not have skated all summer or, or even if that it's just, you gotta, you gotta ease into it the right way. Um, and, and, you know, there's this belief, Mike, we talk about this on the show, uh, Christy too, like, Oh, they gotta be playing all year round. No, no. You want them playing other sports. You want them to come in there a little bit out of, out of whack. Right. So that you can start to, it's almost like a fresh canvas. Right. So you, you got to gauge that it takes time to get into seasonal form. Um, again, look, young, young kids are in athletic form all the time, but you got to gauge this on the level you're at with what you got. Uh, and, and like it says, there's a right time for everything. Like if you're too far ahead and this goes back to what we said earlier, don't be afraid to take a step back. I can't stand what coaches. Are. We should be here by now. Well, you're not. Okay. So, so you got to deal with that. that, that, reality. that Bill, Par Bill Parcells, right? You are who your record says you are. Right. Right. 
you are who you are. I mean, what we're a triple A team. Well, we're not. Yeah. So we're, we are who we are. We're, 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 yeah. we're who we're playing. So you can't just manufacture who you are. You have to determine who you are based off you of where you will are. will it into existence. Yeah. Like I paid for the triple A team though. I, well, I get it. I but. You pay for a college education too. You're not guaranteed a job afterwards. No one. Right. Right. <laughs> We're flying right through these. We're already up to tip number four, guys. And this one takes me back to my band days because my band instructor, I was in the concert band. He would always say this right before every practice. Very simply, practice makes perfect. All right. So you may be at the mercy of your association schedule, or which is true when it comes to adhering to the recommendation three to one practice to game ratio. Make the most of the time you have. That's so important Absolutely. because the time is so precious. And now we're all competing for ice time. It's really difficult. So sometimes you have to find that you've been allocated only half the ice pro practice session. That's okay. Can create challenges with your team concepts such as neutral zone regroup. So just be creative, employ small area games to replicate those game-like scenarios. And I remember a couple of times when uh, we were at one rink that it was, we were, there were so many teams competing for ice time. We only had half the ice for practice and our coaches always tried to get creative. Um, you know, it's challenging. It's challenging, but that's what, that's the hand you're dealt. You got to deal with it. Right. Absolutely. Go ahead, Mike. I want, I want you to. I'm I think, I think I, well, yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, that's, so I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, this practice makes perfect is great. Right. But if you, you have to fi- find a way to empower your kids to practice, they can't, you can't go to two hours a week and expect that you to get better. I mean, we do it at the, at the very lowest levels, right. When you see kids doing learn to play with the NHL right now, which is an unbelievable program. And, and Lee's talked about this a number of times and right. you, know, you pay $300 for a year and you're getting, you get all the equipment for free and you skate every day, but you have to find ways to empower those kids to do other things at home because that practice can't take place for two hours. It needs to take place for eight hours, nine hours. This is, this is the reason why, you know, kids read at night, right. And they don't just read in school. It's, it's there. You have to find other ways to empower those kids. So I think us as youth hockey coaches, ha- we, we, we can take this technology we have. I mean, COVID for me, it, it opened up the door to so many other ways to interact with your kids that normally would be like, I'm not getting on a zoom call and, and working on video. It, you know, it's just like, don't we have to go to a classroom and sit in a room and you know, the two kids, could put their hoodies up and go to sleep in the back and the kids that you know want to listen will listen and the other kids that you think are listening are just you know the Xanax hasn't kicked in yet or something but so they you know so you I think I think what we we're, we're in here is a, in an opportunity to tell our kids listen this is what we're working on in these two hours I have you but I also have this assignment I need you to do now I say it to my parents all the time and my kids if they're not home working out on their own like you know deliberate self you know, they're finding how to pass and how to shoot, or they're not students of the game. They're not watching the game. They're not seeing video. They're not taking in the stuff that we're doing away from the rink. There's just not going to progress. And that's nobody's fault. It's just, that's who they are, right? You have kids that, if you have kids that are voracious readers, you can't make a non-reader into a reader. If you have a kid that loves reading, you're going to keep feeding them books and feeding them books and feeding them books. You're not going to take books away from them. And I think that's the same thing with our athletes. If we can find ways to inspire them to go home and practice, we're going to give them more. We're going to give them more. We're going to give them more. And the kids that don't take the more are just going to be the kids that 
don't progress. And I think so, you know, using your time in practice, having a practice plan, sharing it, getting your parents on board, getting extra help out in the ice, doing off ice work, doing home assignments, all those kind of things take a lot of work. The great thing about this article, probably, I don't even know if it says it, but you look in USA Hockey Magazine and your articles, there's so many resources out there for us as coaches, especially us, you know, the volunteer coaches and, you know, the mom and dads that are getting out there just for that two hours a week to take and extract all this free stuff and, and send it out to our kids. And the ones that take it and can absorb it are the kids we want to keep motivating and working with. And the kids that don't, they don't. Right. And, and that's okay too. You know, hopefully there'll be, uh, you know, good lawyers and doctors and, uh, and, and plumbers and electricians. You got to work and we can, at that too, though. You gotta and, we can, and we can use that. And we, can, you can, we, can have those, we can have those relationships later on. But I think it's just, you know, again, it, it's just, it's an opportunity to have kids do other things off the ice and away from the rink that are going to help them become better players. And that's practice, practice, practice. You know, I'll, I'll say this. There's levels to this one, right? So from a, from a pure hockey level or sport level of high level sport. Uh, I, I subscribe to the, to the saying that you're going to practice hard. So the games are easy. All right. And I really believe that, that, you know, if you, if you can make your practices fun, but competitive and fast paced and informative and really make the practice where, um, you know, same level of effort as a game, the games actually become easy because um, you know, you'll be thankful when you run into another team like that, but most of the time it makes your life easier. I also am a big believer in uh, muscle memory and that you have to do things over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right. And I think that there's too much of, okay, I, I did that drill. Let's move on. Well, okay. That that's great that you did the drill, but you know, how did you learn to roll your wrist? How did you learn to transfer your weight? Like you do it over and again, you know, you can get creative with this. Now, this is where I said, it's going to get, there's levels to this. Now I was a bit of a maniac when it came to hockey training, when I was growing up, I loved every iota of information or training that I could do. I just lived it. Right. Um, I remember at one point I used to walk around my high school. I saw the, the basketball team and the football team they used to carry the balls around the school. Right. They, you know, the football player would have a ball all the time. And I said, well, there's gotta be something for hockey. So I went home, I cut one of my old wooden shafts and I walked around school. I'm not kidding. I'm, this isn't a joke. I walked around school with a hockey shaft in my hand all day, rolling my wrist all day through school. In fact, sometimes when the teacher wasn't looking, I had my hand in my backpack doing it right? Um, because I needed to improve on that. And like, again, I was that kid. I, I don't know how else to say it. So you can get creative with this stuff. Um, but there, there has to be a will. I love that you both laugh at me for that. There has to be a will. It's okay? not wrong with you. There's hey, listen, wrong hey, listen, with you. there's a reason I'm on this show with you too. No, one weird kid. But my point, but there, there was a will, there, weird kid. right? There, there was a will. Like, that's the other part of it. You too. can't walk around with a hockey shaft in school anymore, though. So no, I, mean, yeah, I beg to differ. It, again, it wasn't yeah, yeah. a whole stick. It was about, it was about, let's see, it was about yeah. 10 inches long. You got to get through the metal detectors. Yeah. Well, if, oh, yeah, you're right. You can't use a carbon fiber stick. You have to go get a Sherwood 5030. But um, you, you can get creative. Look, the other thing, too, is if there's a will, I mean, this has never been more true. If there's a will, there's a way. I remember. Mike, I got to say this. I remember uh, early days of the internet, just, you know, early Google looking for anything hockey related because there wasn't much there in the beginning, right? Like articles, anything. I was just wanted to be around the game, VHS tapes. There's just, it's unlimited now, unlimited resources, right? And if you're willing to pay, I mean, the, the resources get unbelievable if you find something reputable, but most of the stuff you can find for free. 
So if there's a will, there's a way. Parents, coaches, players out there listening, well, for sure. Yeah, and I have this I have this conversation with mostly. You know what? The conversation I have is mostly with the the, the guys and girls. Mostly, mostly guys because that's who I'm around the most in the hockey world that played high level college hockey, pro hockey, right. really, really high level players that are now coaching their kids, and they're oh, I, I can't. I got to get my kid to do this. And I, I really want to give him this opportunity. I want him to do this. I go, let's think about what you did. Like, what did you do? Your, your parent, like my parents had to drag me in the house. Right. Like they had to, you, right. you had to say, you cannot be out again. You cannot go to the rink again. It is forbidden. Streetlights like, are on. You're, get you're inside. Not, <laughs> you are not allowed to go down and break into the rink and skate again at night. You cannot do that. That's you, you know, that's forbidden. And we're begging our kids to work. So think about that, right? If you're begging your kid to go to a hockey practice, if you're begging your kid to train, it's, it, it's not in the cards for them. It just isn't. So, but if you, but at the same time, if we can, as a, as a hockey society, create practices that are so much fun right, that kids right. want to learn and want to embrace going home and grabbing a stick and, 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 and we can find ways to inspire them and fight Xbox and Fortnite and, and other, you know, distractions the kids have in, in my mind, like I call it distraction. It's probably just being a normal kid, but if you're distracted from sport lacrosse and football and hockey, then you got to find other ways to make that sport so enjoyable that they, that they, that they want to do what you did, Lee. They want to be around the game. They right. want to explore the game. But what we do is we beat it out of kids. I mean, you know, some teams right now are in their seventh tournament. It's October. Right. I mean, it's like, oh, well, we have a, we have a game. What a, you know, that's my, like my biggest, like pet peeve is hearing youth hockey coaches talk about the grind, right? Yeah. The grind of hockey. I go, it's the grind. It's not supposed to be a grind. This is supposed right. to be the most fun part of this what you do. This is what you do, you do to get away from the grind. <laughs> yeah, the grind, the grind happened. Like, why are you telling me you're getting in a car for seven hours and going to Buffalo and playing a 40-minute game? Like, to me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, for Christy, it's like two hours, right? But, I mean, we're just <laughs> – but we're just I, – I think, but I think that that whole idea of practice, practice, practice has to come from you need to inspire the kids right. to want to practice. And then, we you know, us as parents want to give them the tools to practice. And it can't all be, and you know, listen, kids in other societies find ways like burlap bags, right? And, and stuffed with, with, with straw, they find a way to practice. So I think if our right. kids want, there's yeah. a will, there's a way your kids, yeah. your kids are going to, your kids are going to perform if it's something they love to do. Yeah. And I've seen that with my son. He, we put him in every sport, um, you know, kicking and screaming, bringing him to cricket. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do karate, sign him up for karate. Six weeks later, you had to drag him to karate practice football, just lost interest. Same thing with uh, soccer and basketball. Yeah. He, he tried all the sports, had a lost interest, but hockey, he was obsessed you know, he's out in the driveway constantly hitting on the net, grabbing his little sister, putting her in the net, shooting on her, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely see it. And so you kind of kind of have to feel what they like and just go with that. Too. Yeah, They'll that's tell hard you. for parents. That's hard for parents, right? It's hard for somebody to say, like me, yeah. like I joke around with my kids, like, like I, I want you to explore everything. But, you, but basketball, you're not allowed yeah. to play basketball. <laughs> I don't care if you love it. I don't care if you're six foot nine. I can't, I can't watch it. I, I just can't watch it. So <laughs> yeah. you cannot participate in that, but I'm, I'm joking, but I just like, yeah. you want your kids to gravitate towards the things you like. And it's so right. hard to say, what do you mean? 
yeah. you like karate and that more with, than uh, hockey. With hockey. I know. Yeah. Uh, he, my son was born during the Super Bowl. So I thought his destiny was to play football. And right. he showed me, the, I didn't know anything about hockey. So I'm like, what do you mean you want to play hockey? I don't even know anything about this sport. And look at you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Look where you're at I now. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll say this too. I've told this story on the show before, so I'll tell it briefly. I remember um, practicing outside in the garage, and I used to want my father to tell me to go practice. And he just came up to me one day and he said, Lee, if you want this enough, I won't have to tell you. And I, he never had to tell me again. But this is there's a deeper thing here than hockey too, friends. And we, we got to talk about this is when your kid finds that passion and it might be sports, it might be spanned, it might be something totally different, right? You got to you gotta cultivate the passion in what they love, right? Whether you agree with it or not. Um, and whether it makes, uh, so again, Mike, you said it too. I, I, studies show that, look, gaming is not bad for you, but doing it 12 hours a day can be detrimental, right? So so like anything, you got you to gotta cultivate it in the right way, but yeah, when it comes to practicing, um, Mike, I agree with you. It's got to make it fun. You, you got to make sure the kids are engaged. You know, another thing I wanted to tap on with this real quick, um, and I said I had a great coach that did this for me when I was younger, is, you know, how you approach kind of homework assignments after practice, depending on the age, right? My attitude has always been, um, okay, look, obviously at the very, very top levels, if you give a, a player something to work on, they have to work on it. That's why you're at a top level. And most like most of the time that's going to happen. But I find that, you know, it's not optional homework. I don't want to call it that. But, you know, on my team, we got a parent, like I have a kid who, who's having a hard time stopping on his um, uh, left foot, right? And, and his mother came out to, well, what can we do to work on at home? I said, that's great. I can, I can give you some things to work on from home. And it kind of spawned on me, like, I could probably be doing this with more of the kids. Whether they do it or not, I have to kind of be okay with. But as a coach, as an educator, am I even giving them the tools of, hey, you should go home and work on this? Or here's a couple of things you can... Uh, parents you can work on with your kids at home um here's a quick one that i'll be vulnerable for a minute like i'm having a hard time so my my son's enjoying the game but i'm having a hard time working with him at home he he doesn't respond to me well it turns into kind of a little bit more heated than i want it to be so you got to remember like like the game has been my whole life i i love the game i'm very aware that if that's not for him that's okay it's it's always been my thing i don't want to make make him think he, he wants to do that but his mom got involved and his mom practices with him now. And I'm totally okay with that. It's not a competitive thing for me. Right. But, you know, I, so what I do is I tell, I told my son's mother, my wife, <laughs> I tell her what to work on with him and she does. Right. She's never played hockey in her life, but that's, that's the cool part about it. Right. That's the cool dynamic. He's responding to her. He's getting the information, but if I didn't give the information as a coach, am I really doing my job? You know? And, and again, Mike, you said this too. It's like, it's two hours a week and you're spending 20 hours on it or whatever as a coach, you're thinking about it all the time. How much are you spending on the after practice stuff of, hey, if we could all take 20 minutes, it doesn't have to be that much time really, 20 minutes at home to work on rolling your wrists or to work on pointing the toe of the stick at the net when you shoot or whatever, right? That's part of this as well is to make that available, whether they do it or not, it's to make it available. Because here's the deal, if, if, one kid really, but if three of your 10 kids do it, that's great at, 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 the, at the very young levels, right? It's great, yeah. right? It's made a difference. That's coaching. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, I think that's, that comes into the whole, the whole conversation about practice. It, Talk it, about practice. If, if practice isn't fun, if it's not engaging, if it's not inspiring, if it's not something they, they want to do, they're not going to do it. And if you force feed them, Right. These these responsibilities, 
then you as a coach have to figure out different ways to inspire them because, oh, you know, it's not working. So I got to find a different way to get them to do what they, they that I would like them to do. But listen, the reality is you're just going to work with some athletes that don't do it. Right. And they're not, they're never going to be those, those players. And I think that's why, you know, that's, listen, this is why elite teams and triple A teams exist, right? Because the, the, the parents that think their kids are the ones that are carrying hockey sticks around all the time and shooting when they're, when they're, they're not being asked to shoot or setting up elaborate stick handling zones in their basements and driveways on their own are the ones that gravitate towards each other. And the ones that don't, the parents put them in power skating, stick handling, everything. They're trying to catch them up. But the fact is the heart doesn't want it. Will's not there. So it's not going to get there. You could give them all the lessons in the world. And listen, I used to, I used to hate those kids. I used to hate the kid that I know never worked out, never ran, never did anything and would kick my butt in, in a, in a, you know, in a race or preseason dry land. I'm like, son of a bitch. I said, this kid, this kid just, he does nothing, nothing, but he's just a great athlete. And he had his own passion. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't need to do it. And I'm working my butt off, but to get to that level, but there was other kids that didn't do anything. And guess what? They were last. <laughs> and, they, and that's who they were. So you can't you just the, the practices to me like that's why i think at the youth level you got to find a way to have just engage the kids and make them want to be at the glass and that zamboni comes off they're fighting to get on the ice right, right, right. and if you can create that kind of environment uh then you're in great shape then you're then you're having fun with the kids and then you can build on all the other stuff power play penalty kill and this is why this show is therapy for me. Like I, I, I'm realizing the more we do this, that I'm fortunate to be the youngest like coach here with the youngest child, because like I get this great advice every week that I get to bring to practice. But like, like you said, Mike, this show and, and both of you, it's probably the reason I was able to kind of step away from coaching my own kid at home. Right. Cause look, let's be honest. If I'm not careful, there, there could be ego attached to that for me. There could be um, you know, this is my job kind of attitude. And, you know, it's like, no, I just want him to have fun. He's having fun with his mom. I, I stepped away, right? And, and the last thing, Mike, you, you tapped on this is that, look, there's a difference between being lazy and not loving something, all right? So if a kid's lazy, you got a parent. <laughs> you got a coach, right? You don't want your kid to be lazy. But like you said, Mike, if the kid's just not into hockey, you know, I, look, I can imagine, especially if they're older, you know, you put a lot of time yourself into this as a parent that can probably be very painful and frustrating if a kid just goes, I don't want to do it anymore. I can imagine that. Right. And I might have to deal with that one day to be fair, but it's really not about us. Right. It's about them. Right. So if, if they don't want to do it and they have another interest they want to pursue, uh, obviously every situation is different, but you know, you got to take all the ego out of it, all of that about out of it. You know, you can't force your kid to do something they don't want to do or they don't have a passion for again. Every situation is different. I'm being very literal with that, right? There are going to be situations where a kid just doesn't want to do it because they're 14 and pubescent and life is going on. That's different than what I'm talking about. But, you know, it's so important that we cultivate the understanding, especially right now in society, of you're passionate about this, pursue it. You have to work at it. It's not just going to come into your lap, right? And that, that there are people out there that will want to help you. Like, and you got to work together. Like those are lessons that we don't talk about. Again, last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up about this. You know, I, I, I interview high level people all the time. Uh, you two are high level uh, on the other shows I do. I get to talk to some of the top people in sports in business. What's amazing to me is when I ask them, 
what are the five, four or five traits that separate the top level athletes at the pro level or the top level business people? It's never great slap shot. It's never the best skater I've ever seen. It's they have great character. They really love the game, right? They really care about their community and their teammates. That becomes the separator, right? So wherever your child can apply those types of things is probably the direction you want to steer them towards. Might not be hockey. If you're listening to the show, you hope it's hockey. I get that. <laughs> but it might not be hockey. It might be something else. Cultivate their ability to learn and love something and work towards it. Because we all know life's not fair. Anyway, I'm on a soapbox right now. I'm going to step down. I'm going to let... One, one quick going. thing. I do wish I had this show when I was just starting out. I would have avoided so much angst. Seriously. This is such... <laughs> a good guide especially for parents who are just starting out in hockey it's really intimidating right. especially for like me you didn't know anything about this sport and it terrified you when you when you saw how much equipment was involved in the practices Christy, did and you, the travel did you just call me your little brother am i the youngest oh and the other thing i was listening to npr radio on my way to uh long island to watch my daughter play and i know you were saying that uh, you know all the characteristics which separate great hockey players from average hockey players and we'll have to get this this guy on who did the study who said it's really has to do with birth dates yes when you were born uh, <laughs> like really seriously yeah it was so funny i just had to throw that in there anyway yeah, we're whipping through these we deliver on our promises we promise five tips we've been through four had great discussions so drum roll please let's get on to tip number five plan for the future let me repeat that plan for the future what do we mean by that it means injuries and illnesses and boy am i seeing that this season are part of every team's season that's why it's important to get everybody involved early in the season right. if you don't improve your entire team how do you expect a fourth line player to step up and contribute at a crucial point in the season a lot of coaches will tell you that winning seasons and championships take a backseat to seeing a former player years down the road. And he or she tells you how much you help them both as a player and a person. And you never know what can happen during this season. You may have all your lines set and all of a sudden kid gets COVID, another kid gets a concussion, another kid's out with mono. You have no idea. Well, if they get so COVID, the whole team's out. Players. The whole team's out if they get COVID. Not necessarily. It <laughs> depends fair. on how they get it. That's true. In a situation where, a, yeah, a player got tested, that player wasn't around any other player, so it was just her that had to isolate. So it depends. Uh, so yeah, you got to develop everybody. It's true, right? Mike, you go first on this one. I, I agree. Yeah. No. Well, I think that goes back to the, the kind of the, the the whole premise of the practicing and, and the season planning and, you know, building your teams. And, and I, I probably fall on the side of, you know, we have to be really conscious of this at the, you know, I'm coaching 14 new level and, you know, and my eight-year-old obviously is playing, you know, cross ice, which, you know, injuries and lineups, and that's not, not really that big of a deal. I mean, I think that's where you're really getting everybody involved anyway. So it's hopefully a lot of interchangeable parts there. And if you're missing your, your top goal scorer at that level, it shouldn't really affect everything you do. But at the, at, the, at, the, at the higher levels, 14U, 16U, 18U, you know, lineups and you pick teams based off of players, right? You, you picked your teams. Hopefully, if you're, if you're coaching at that level, you're picking teams, not just, okay, one through 16, you're on the team. 
you know, it's, it's, they're picking kids that fit within certain roles and certain expectations you want for your lineup. And when you miss one or two, and I see this at the youth level, and it's so frustrating to me because I, I, I don't think I've ever accepted the fact that when you join a high level team, that you commit totally to that high level team. Like I, I you know, and, and again, that's my problem, right? That, 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 what do you mean you're missing practice or again, or, you know, when, cause you miss my practice, you're, you're literally missing, you're missing a ton of information. I mean, you're missing building blocks that now we've moved on from and you're behind. You just are, you've missed big portions of us building our program and what we're trying to do. So I think that, you know, as you get to these higher levels, you, you, you can't, miss opportunities you know to be um with your team because you are building for the future the building blocks can't occur unless the 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 formation of that starts at the beginning and now if pieces start falling off you lose a defenseman you have to make a make a winger into a d a d into a winger uh a a third line gritty hard-nosed player into your first line centerman whatever it is it it is it is imperative to plan um, that's why I'm a, I'm a definitely an advocate for bigger rosters at the higher levels because you are, I mean, you're at any given time because now it's not fair the other way, right? Now, all of a sudden you're into week four and you went from a team of 18 kids to eight very easily. I mean, you look at a lot, you do survey a Bantam team or, you know, 12 U teams and 14 U teams and 16 U teams. When you look at, you know, man hour or player hours lost, there's a lot in youth hockey. And, and, you know, and the only way to make sure that you can be an advocate for, kids sitting out with concussions or letting injuries fully heal is to have the numb because you can't have the pressure of uh, he's close. So let's get him back out there. Let that player completely heal. They're going to live a long life. They don't need nagging injuries when they're 35 years old because you played them in an extra tournament on a weekend with a broken thumb that they didn't need to play with. And I think, you know, that, that takes planning for the future. It takes planning your roster out and then, I think the hardest part of it is convincing your parents that when the bench is full, that you're going to try to make it fair. But the reason why we have so many kids is so when we do run into these problems, which we will, and we don't want to be, but we're going to run into them that we have a lineup every single weekend that could go out there and perform. Mike, my lower lumbar and left shoulder are agreeing with you hundred percent right now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm around that age you were talking about a little older, but uh, I also want to say, Mike, too, just real quick. You know, I wish I had a coach like you when I was growing up. I, I had good coaches, but, um, you know, it, it, I was going to say this to the audience. You know, Mike, Mike's not cocky. He's that good. I wanted to say that. Like, the way he says things when you mm-hmm. miss my, one of my practices, he, you really put the time in. I'm not – I'm complimenting you on purpose Thank because you, you, you kind of set the bar for me of, you know, how prepared you are, how seriously you take this. Um, and you know how much crap you take for it sometimes too. And, 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 you know, from, from parents and other coaches, like anything else in politics, but uh, you know, you really, you really, this is your life's work, which I, which I love outside your children, um, you know, building on the, the plan for the future thing. Again, I'm going to use the, the pro hockey levels as an example. And I, I'll pose this as a question for the audience. You know, when you look at an NHL roster and, and this is, a, in my opinion, this is a fair comparison to, to youth hockey, right? Um, let's just say you have, you know, three really strong lines, right? Three really strong lines and your top line, right winger, sick, injured, whatever. They're out for the game. I always say, well, what do you do? And I get uh, more often than not, well, okay, you move the second line winger up to the first line. You move third line winger to the second line, fourth line. No. Why would you break up the other lines? You move your fourth line winger or the player you bring in to the first line. But they're the, they're the bottom line winger. Why? 
that's the correct way to do it. <laughs> All right. You don't, yeah. you don't mess up your entire lineup because one person's out. All right. Now, now, listen, I'll tell you this right now. You get a lot of kids injured or a lot of kids sick. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's hard to coach that. Uh, the odds are not in your favor in that scenario. Um, no matter how prepared you are. Uh, I'm seeing this right now with the team I'm working with in Europe. Um, lots of injuries, lots of things going on that we can't control and, and we're suffering for it. Right. Um, we're managing it, but we're suffering for it. Sometimes there, there is a hump you can't get over, right? But when it comes to planning for the future, if you're doing it well, I don't want to say right. If you're doing it well, most players will be able to step into any situation effectively. They might not be great at it, but they'll be able to step into it effectively, right? You don't want to break up your second, third, fourth line if you can help it. You want to replace if needed for the time being, right? And if you're training players well, they'll be able to step in and have some sort of form of performance. I always go turn to football with this, like, you know, second, uh, third, fourth string players, right? Like think about that. I mean, I remember watching the Eagles a few years ago, our offensive line got decimated. We had third stringers in, but they were ready to go. Were they as good as the first stringers? No. Did they know their job? Yes. Did they do the best they could? Yes. Did they get better every game? Yes. Cause they were put in a position to succeed. Right. And the expectation, that's the other thing. The expectations were there. Right. So I think planning for the future. Absolutely. This is why it's so important to go back to number uh, two, play them. If you got them, you got to make sure that everyone's getting that ice time. They understand what they're doing. Um, again, <laughs> another example, you know, is, is we, we, it, one of the teams I'm coaching, we have two teams, right? We have a top team and a, a lower team. Um, this is the professional ranks, right? Well, the, the lower team learns the skills and the tactics we're using on the top team as well. So that when we call them up, they're ready to go. I don't want to pull someone up and be like, here's the system. And they go, Oh, I've never played that before. That doesn't make any sense. Again, little different at that level. But when you look at a youth team, it's yeah, yeah the, the, the bottom half of your lineup, we'll just say skill wise. I don't like to use that terminology. Are you putting them in a position so they have a clue? Cause if you're not doing that, that's on you as the coach. All right. If you're, if you're it, it, Mike, you said that great example earlier of the coach who's practicing the power play yelling at the kids on the bench. You better pay attention to this or you're not going to learn it. Get them on the other side of the ice with another coach practicing it. What are you doing? Right. Making them sit on the bench, run the same thing, run the on the same other side, <laughs> right? Run the right? same damn and thing. Then, and then if you really want to do it good interchange players, once what, if you feel like your top power play guys got it, throw in the other guys too. mix it up a little bit, because guess what? Christy, this is the point. You might get an injury and one of those players might actually have to jump into that situation. And that's yeah. It's also fun. It's creative and fun. So again, we get a little loud. Sorry. Excited. It's Monday morning. I had my, my, my shake before I get on, but that's it. it there, there are these stupid BS assumptions that we make. It's like, yeah, let's move up all the wingers up a line. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Right. Same thing happens on defense. The, the, the top two D one of the top two D goes down. You don't move the other, you move the bottom D up. All right. And again, look. yeah. Or, or you, or you move a player into that position that's suited for that role better. Right. And some, but right. so sometimes like you have a, a good line you're like, wow, now, now that the injury happened, it actually opens up an opportunity for a player to go into this line that right. I didn't think was there before. Right. But if you know, it's a short-term injury, then what's the best thing to do? You inject the player into right. a position that's going to temporarily hold that spot. It's, it's almost like the rule. You'll see it at the NHL all the time, right? If, if your starting goalie gets hurt, no matter how good the other goalie plays, they didn't lose their role because they got hurt. 
Now they can play out of that role again, but most coaches are going to give that goalie the chance to come back in from where they were from the injury. Right. Right. And, and earn that because they did earn it, the injury, but other kids, you know, other players get to get to jump in and say, okay, here's my spot. It's an injury. I didn't want it to happen, but it happened. And now I'm just as confident to play. And what I love about the teams, when you see, the, the other goalie now supporting that goalie and how happy they are that the, uh, another athlete on their team is succeeding. Those are such healthy, vibrant teams and great cultures. Right. And, and I, and at the youth level, I don't think we do enough of that. And personally, I think, you know, I, I think we, I think we overschedule under roster. We don't allow these, these, these things to naturally occur where players can earn spots and move right. into positions because we just don't have the room to do it. And parents want it's it's all about how much ice am I getting in a game, and they don't value the amount what you can do in practice. If I had, if I could roster you know twenty six players on my fourteen U team, I would do it in a heartbeat because my practices would be deadly. Like it, it, you would not survive practice right. because it would right. be so competitive. But I got but but I'm limited right because now you only can have fifteen players, sixteen players. You got to find a way for everyone to get equal time which is hard. Um, but, and really the kids don't learn to play roles. It's hard at, at the youth level. Cause you don't have that, that depth when you're at high school, prep school, college, you have that depth. You have that opportunity to look out and you watch a college program and you go, Holy crap. There's like 27 players out right. there practicing right. and they're all competing right. for the chance to play on Friday and night committed and committed and committed. Right. And I think yeah. that's a huge, huge difference between youth hockey and, and, and the higher, you know, when we say higher levels hockey, but I'm going to take this outside hockey again for just one more minute. Cause like, I always <laughs> like to expunge these lessons, you know, parents, coaches, look, we all love hockey here. We all get lost in the game, but there's a bigger life lesson at play here. All right. How many of you have been in your office? This has happened to me at different points. I've had to do this. And someone comes up to you and goes, listen, you're doing a great job. I've got to give you this responsibility on top of everything else you're getting. You're not going to get paid anymore. I need you to do this responsibility. Well, I can tell when I do that, who's played sports because they go, okay, uh, tell me about it. Let's learn about it. We'll figure it out. We'll do it. I haven't played sports, but that's not my job. That's not my job. All right. And I was, you never learn to deal with that adversity and don't get me wrong. There are some situations where that is BS, but I'm talking about dealing with it on a a real world level. All right. You're going to be thrown into situations in real life, especially between the ages of 18 and 30 that are uncomfortable where you're given a role you don't want. And maybe something goes down and someone gets sick and you got to do their job for the day. It's a major life skill to be adaptable to those situations that you can learn in sport, any sport. Right. Yeah. That next step, that next up philosophy has to be ingrained in, in children yeah. and it has to happen when we you're suck young enough. <laughs> I, suck at it. We suck no. at it. Like I, I, again, parents, I'll implore you. I, and like I said, I, I, I say this because I have felt the tension now for my son over the last two seasons that I never felt before in my life. And I'm having a kid in hockey, excuse me, but you, you gotta keep those larger life lessons in play. Right. And coaches, it's really on you to make sure that that message is is told to the parents. And like you got a hotshot parent thinks their kid's great. You know, we've all experienced that Uh, it doesn't trump real life. Right. You know, and and there's a way that those two things can coexist. All right. Like what the expectations are, what the roles are, what the standards are. seems like reoccurring themes in these episodes, which I love. Don't worry, they're not ever going to get old. Uh, But again, look, we're talking about practice. Christy, 
Uh, it's up to you to grade us. How'd we do? <laughs> I'm giving you guys an A plus. This was a great right. episode. It really and, and, and I love, I know we kind of got off the beaten path a little bit on occasion, but well, never uh, happens we, on this we show. it back in. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The bottom line is, you know, we're all on this really, uh, this journey. It's a wonderful journey. And just don't lose sight of that. And there's so many great opportunities along the way. You got to seize them and make the most of it. And even if it's just talking about practice. Man, that, I can't close any better than that. I'm just going to have to go Thank right you. into the ending with that. I'm going to give you that one. Yeah. I'll fill up my sleeve. <laughs> anyway, this was fun. It was fun. It's like you're an anchor on TV or something. I don't know how you do it. Uh, Mike, any final words before we jump off? I think it was a no. great episode too. No, that was great. And thanks for bringing it up. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll like everything else, it's good to have these. We do we do these on Mondays and uh, it, it sets me up. It sets me up for the week and my practices. And I'll, I'll start reevaluating what I'm doing here even tonight. <laughs> Well, I want to thank all of you for joining <laughs> the three of us on our therapy session. It's every Monday. Yeah, yeah, now I got to go back <laughs> to the drawing board. Damn it. There you go. That's what we do here. So listen, you've been listening to Our Kids Play Hockey. You can check out every episode we've ever done. Every one of them has been listened to in the last 30 days. It's a, you're an amazing audience, right? Ourkidsplayhockey.com. Make sure you check it out. If you have any topics or any conversations you want to have with us, you can email us at team at ourkidsplayhockey.com. But above all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being great people, great parents, great coaches. If you're listening to this show, we're going we're gonna to shuffle you into that one. And uh, until next week, uh, for Christy Cassiano Burns and Mike Benoli, I'm Lee Elias. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.